good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. And we'll start off with the daily COVID numbers. There were 11,646 new COVID-19 cases recorded and 107 more fatalities during the previous 24 hours, the Public Health Ministry reported on Thursday morning. There were 11,526 cases in general population and 120 among prison inmates. The number of new cases rose from 10,014 announced on Wednesday when the country recorded 122 more deaths. On Wednesday, 10,887 COVID-19 patients were discharged from hospital after recovering from the coronavirus. There are also 3,326 probable cases that arose from rapid antigen testing. So if you look at that along with the rapid antigen testing, we're talking about 15,000 approximate cases. Now yesterday I might add that there was about 6,000 cases from rapid antigen tests. Now I don't know where they've disappeared to and it would be a positive thing if they were to show that the rapid antigen tests that they said that were probable were confirmed on a separate chart as well. So we could see whether they're adding them in or just hoping we forgot about them and trying a little bit of trickery with the numbers too but there is a definite improvement within the numbers over the last few weeks there is a gradual decline which can only be a good thing for the planned reopening next month TAT considers launching its own utility token. The Tourism Authority of Thailand has floated the idea of launching its own utility token, the TAT coin, to capitalize on a growing market of holders of cryptocurrencies, but first needs to consider the relevant regulations and viability before getting started. TAT Governor Yutasak Supasorn said the TAT is currently in discussion with the Stock Exchange of Thailand regarding the possibility of introducing the TAT coin, which will involve the transfer of vouchers into digital tokens that could help operate gain greater liquidity. However, the token could not be speculated upon for the purpose of trading. Moreover, the TAT, which is a state agency, would have to discuss the matter further with related organizations as to whether it has the authority to issue this type of digital token. Mr. Yutasak said technology including cryptocurrency has changed the world, so the TAT has to take the opportunity to enhance the competitiveness of the tourism supply chain, which suffered from the pandemic with a short-term plan to attract potential travelers to accelerate tourism income. The world's largest cryptocurrency holding nations include China, Japan, South Korea and the US, as well as Europe, while countries with a high level of currency volatility, such as Venezuela, Argentina and Nigeria, have also have growing cryptocurrency markets. We have to prepare digital infrastructure and digital literacy for our tourism operators in order to commence cryptocurrency, as the traditional business model might not be able to keep up with the new changes, Mr. Yutasak said. As a long-term plan, the TAT aims to develop the country's tourism platform, covering both business and leisure tourism with Bitcub, a local cryptocurrency exchange featuring the TAT coin or another type of cryptocurrency such as a non-fungible token NFT to spur demand from the cryptocurrency market. NFTs which represent the ownership of a unique item by merging the digital economy and the real world can be used for boosting traffic at specific tourist areas but this digital asset is not yet legal in Thailand. Currently, the global market cap for cryptocurrency stands at $2 trillion or four times higher than Thailand's GDP, compared to $800 billion four years ago, which represents the fastest growing industry, according to Jiraraj Pop, Chief Executive of Bitcoin Capital Group Holdings. 
Now, where to begin with all this nonsense? Firstly, China has banned all cryptocurrencies in the country, so their argument has already become irrelevant. But secondly, what business have the tat in engaging in cryptocurrency? They can't even get tourists and set up a reasonable system for people to enter the country, but yet somehow this is a priority for them. But this is a true story. On the day this story broke, Russell Crowe, that is the actor from Gladiator, has been in Phuket at the Phuket Sandbox, quarantining for the 14 days like everyone else has to do, going around, seeing the, the, the island, taking photos, posted them on his Twitter, and, you know, showcasing Thailand and the island. But yet, Tat have no idea that's going on, which would be a positive step. Maybe work with him, you know, and try to promote the fact that he's there, he's got a huge audience, and use something like that as a promotional tool, you know, to engage with people around the world, especially Australia and New Zealand who would follow him. You know, but no, what are Thailand doing? What is the tourism authority focused on? The tat coin. It's hard to believe these guys still have jobs. And it, it just, it bothers me that they, they are the people who are charged with bringing tourists into Thailand. And they are absolutely disincompetent. They're quoting as China as a big cryptocurrency market when China have just banned cryptocurrency. Anyway, we'll move on to the next story. And next up, Thailand extends special tourist visa scheme for one more year. The Thai cabinet has approved a one-year extension of the special tourist visa, STV, scheme for long-staying visitors until the 30th of September 2022. The program has been in effect from the 30th of September last year and was originally due to end tomorrow. The cabinet's approval of the STV scheme, as proposed by the Ministry of Tourism and Sports, entails special permission for long-stay visitors to Thailand of all types, from tourists to business travellers, investors and others and tourists and crews of foreign crews and yachts. In the official statement released yesterday, Deputy Government Spokesman Mr. Tresuri Taraskalul said the extension of the STV scheme is aimed to encourage foreign families with high purchasing power to visit Thailand for a long-term stay of between 90 and 270 days. According to the Ministry of Tourism and Sports, over the first year, Thailand welcomed a total of 5,609 long-staying visitors under the STV scheme, generating at least 1,243 million baht in revenue. Top source markets have included China, Croatia, Denmark, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, Singapore and Spain. So what do you believe the amount of money generated by those people or not? That's up to you. I just can say that it's impossible to predict how much money they made and that's just a number being pulled out of the sky. This visa is interesting because most people weren't interested in it. It requires you having fully paid accommodation for your 90 days. So you can come here on the scheme for 90 days. You can then extend again for another 90 days and then another 90 days up to 270 days but each time you ex extend so when you go to the immigration you have to show you have your insurance for the full extension date and paid accommodation for that full extension date and that's why it was not taken up by people and our next story travel despair crushes high season hopes the travel industry looks set to lose another high season after the latest tourism confidence index hit an all-time low despite Thailand's reopening plans and domestic stimulus campaigns. According to the Tourism Council of Thailand, the TCT, quarterly survey, the tourism confidence index in the third quarter hit a historic low of 7 out of 200. A normal level of normal confidence will be reflected with a score of around 100. The negative sentiment is expected to continue into the high season, with the index 
forecasting fourth quarter sentiment of just 29, a far cry from 62 in the same period last year, even though the country is preparing to roll out more pilot areas for international tourists and resuming two domestic stimulus campaigns in the final quarter. Shannon Sirishiwat, TCP's president, said the government should consider urgent adjustment to the sandbox program to revive the battered industry in the fourth quarter. TCT wants the reopening plan to be conducted under single standard operating procedures where every destination uses the word sandbox in its project's name. Meanwhile, the TCT said the cost of the COVID-19 test should be reduced and the government should let tour operators help tourists process applications for the certificate of entry, which is now considered an obstacle for entry procedures. The TCT surveyed 740 tourism-related operators from August 15 to September 5 and found that the high infection rates and nationwide lockdown during this period had resulted in declining confidence as 54% of them didn't have the income to sustain their business and 84% had to reduce their workforce to less than half. The remaining workforce in the industry was only 29% of the 4.3 million pre-pandemic total, a sharp contraction from 52% in the second quarter which means that at least 71% of the total workforce has lost their jobs by the third quarter. The survey found that 44% had shifted from tourism to other sectors or closed temporarily which is higher than the 38 percent in the second quarter and the 19 percent in the first quarter. Permanent closures also increased from four percent of the industry in the second quarter to five percent in the third quarter, with every service sector negatively impacted except the hotel sector, where the closure rate was 18 percent, down from 23 percent in the previous quarter due to sandbox programs in Phuket and Koh Samui and some hotels becoming hospitals. And that's going to lead us into our next story, Phuket demands reform of certificate of entry. Phuket tourism operators are proposing a set of rule amendments to improve the number of sandbox travellers. Simplifying the certificate of entry COE process is the first and foremost key to bringing back more international arrivals, along with further relaxation in other settings, said Bumakita Rutenkanam, president of the Phuket Tourist Association. He said policymakers needed to understand and prioritise practical customer journeys before rolling out travel policies. However, he added that the COE does not need to be revoked as it is still a useful screening process during the pandemic which should contain easier and friendlier procedures to facilitate the tourist who wants to visit the Thai sandbox areas. Besides the COE, he urged the government to end the practice of putting into alternative state quarantine those tourists who flew on the same flight as infected travellers since over the past three months no such high-risk people have tested positive. Moreover, the insurance coverage of at least US dollars was considered an unnecessary component, particularly when the claiming process was not practical for the actual situation since most insurance companies in western countries would not compensate for asymptomatic cases while most travellers who tested positive barely showed a severe condition. Mr. Bumikita also urged authorities to implement an automated system for the validation of vaccine certificates, since the island's current manual verification system wouldn't be able to handle large volume of tourists in the future. After the Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration this week cut quarantine in half to seven days, effective from October 1, the current 7 plus 7 extension scheme has to offer four-day stays in Phuket and another three days in other destinations like Koh Samui, Krabi and Panya during the first stage. Mr. Bumikita that the shorter mandatory stay in Phuket will not affect the market but will instead help increase overall demand in Thailand when the entry program can provide more varied destinations. 
He added that the Phuket Sandbox recently hit an all-time high of forward bookings of 12,000 nights on September 21 after days of speculative news about the quarantine reduction. Those bookings were made for the upcoming high season starting from mid-October. As of September 27, the Phuket Sandbox had received a total of 37,567 travellers, which was far below the initial target of 129,000 tourists in the first three months. Mr. Bumikita said that if the regulations were revised, it would help attract 300,000 tourists for the whole program by the end of the year. Phuket is currently delivering a booster shot with the aim of inoculating 300,000 residents by the end of the month. So let's unpack those last two stories because they're somewhat related. Now the first story is in relation to hospitality's business sentiment and what they've been going through over the last few months and years. And most operators at this point in time pretty much think the high season is gone. And I tend to agree with them. I don't think there's going to be any significant increase in tourist numbers until all the entry requirements that the Thai government have set up are, are gone. Now that's my opinion at the beginning and I, I think until that happens you won't see regular t- travelers to Thailand because it's just too difficult and there's a lot of other places around the world that you can go to where they don't want all this kind of documentation and other things from you so that's the first thing now the second thing in relation to the president of the Phuket Tourism Association I think he's also wrong the certificate of entry needs to be gotten rid of because I think that and the multiple PCR tests are the two biggest obstacles for people abroad when they're considering coming to Thailand And the reason I say the certificate of entry is because no other country is doing this. And the idea that it's somehow great during the pandemic or that it's a useful tool, I think is complete and utter nonsense and rubbish. The problem with the certificate of entry is you're dependent on an officer in an embassy going through all your documents, getting it all done and issuing that certificate in time. And there has been countless stories of people who have sent their certificate or who have applied for their certificate and never received it. And their flight's already taken off and they've lost money and had to cancel flights and, you know, change hotel bookings and it caused a whole mess for them. Again, the other issue with vaccine certification is there is no standard anywhere in the world. Every country has their own thing going on. Well, the EU at least have something between the 27 member states, so there's kind of a standard amongst that. But I mean, in America, and I'm pretty sure, please correct me if I'm wrong, but most people I've seen have just a kind of a paper CDC card. But I wonder, do different states have different things going on? And for my listeners in America, if you could let me know if you do have another kind of a digital certificate, maybe in another state, or is it set up differently? The idea that there should be, be some automated system with all these other different systems around, I think is just nonsense they can't even get a tracking app right in the country but yet they somehow want to have this automated system if they're so eager to do a certificate of entry why don't they do something like an e-visa but an e-certificate of entry where you apply for it and you get it instantly and then when you get to the airport the main thing that you need to show is your vaccine certificate the interesting thing and the most important thing would be the country that you're flying from so for example if you're flying from america say chicago and you're flying to uh, bangkok or phuket or wherever the staff there would be more capable to know what a proper vaccine certificate from that state or from the country would look like, rather than an official in an embassy who really probably wouldn't. Put the onus onto the airline to ensure that everyone boards the plane with a correct vaccine certificate. This is just an idea, because the Thai government here seemed to not want to get away from the hordes of paperwork. Now the next thing, the PCR testing, that's another big one for people. I was speaking to a woman a few days ago who had come from California and she'd done her 14 nights and she was very annoyed by the whole situation because she had to keep going to get these three PCR tests and she was wondering why she had to keep getting PCR tests but say a Thai person or an expat going to Phuket only had to show a rapid antigen test, like a tenth of the cost. 
So if you're happy to say that if you enter Phuket as a Thai citizen or an expat living in Thailand, or, you know, then the rapid antigen test is okay for you. But for if you come from abroad, where you've probably got a better va vaccine, you've already done a test before you left and you're going to keep giving them PCR tests that are expensive. It's just a money making racket for big hospitals and that's it. The rapid antigen test should be employed as the test on arrival and if you want to do another test then do it. Look we have to come to the conclusion and realize that the Thai government are not going to make anything easy for people because they've had their opportunity to do it and they continue to fail. A little bit of news on this 7 plus 7 and thing. So the Phuket sandbox is now being reduced to 7 nights. You only have to stay 7 nights and then after that you're free to go anywhere you like in the country. You will do 2 PCR tests but people are pushing to get this reduced to 2 rapid antigen tests. And in my opinion that is fair if we're kind of opening on a cautionary basis. Now the idea that they're going to do 4 plus 3 to Kowlak, this is not true and I'll explain. So the 4 nights in Phuket and the 3 nights to, to Samui does exist that is on the cards that will be available for people to do Kowlak was offered the four plus three and they've refused it because for three nights they say it's just far too much work back a house a hotel and the whole setting things up they said it's just not worth it so they have pushed for seven nights in Kowlak so you go straight from Phuket International Airport and you go to Kowlak now for anyone who doesn't know where Kowlak is it's about an hour and 20 minutes drive north of Phuket from the airport it's a beautiful seaside town lots of restaurants lots of bars souvenir shops but the beaches are beautiful i mean there's no sunbeds on the beaches there's no jet skis in the water it's just untouched sand for kilometers and kilometers and it's a lovely lovely area they have pushed that they're going to be their own sandbox in essence and they won't have anything to do with phuket anymore people can come straight to kowlak and have your seven nights here unofficially has gotten to go ahead and we're waiting for the official announcement from the tourist authority of thailand of course like everything here it's all done at the very last minute and there will be a lot of procedures to be drawn up so i don't see it actually starting on october 1 for kowlak maybe a couple of days after it but it's on process as they say so that's a positive thing for these areas but at the end of the day no matter how positive these things are until they're implemented until we see people turning up and you know positive reviews going out there nothing really will change but in saying that the rhetoric over the last few weeks from the government of various ministers and agencies has been positive and it does look like that thailand is slowly opening up and that is definitely a positive positive thing and it can only be good for the thai people and our next story, Dutch expat to appeal after Thai court sides with higher hospital fees for foreigners. A Dutch national said that he will appeal a court ruling against his lawsuit challenging dual pricing at Thailand's public hospitals as unconstitutional. Erwin Bues said the administrative court in Petraburi province relied on inaccurate information provided by the health ministry in its Tuesday's decision. I am very disappointed that the court mainly follows and repeats statements of the defendant without fact check, Bues said Wednesday afternoon in a Message. He noted that the ministry had changed how it defined labour costs, a key factor in determining hospital fees. Irwin had asked the court to strike down the pricing structure in place since 2019 for violating the constitution's equal protection guarantee, as by the minister's own regulations, the fees should be determined by actual cost. In his judgment, the court said that it did not see this as discriminatory because the higher rates charged of foreigners who it presumes earns more than ties is good for the nation. Pricing was 
set on an appropriate basis of socio-economic status and it benefits Thailand so it therefore doesn't count as discrimination, the court ruling said. His lawsuit named the ministry and its head, who is now minister, An- Anutan Sharifakul. It asked the court to annul the rate structure and order the ministry to revert to the unified rates in place since 2014. Now this case has drawn a bit of attention in the media and a lot of people have kind of analysed it afterwards. Now my take on it is a couple of things. Firstly, just so people know, he represented himself in court and I think this is a huge problem. Number one, he's not court savvy. He's not a lawyer. I'm not sure how good his tie is, but obviously it must be good enough that he's been in court. But you need a lawyer when you go to court. And when you're arguing against the government, you need to be on top of your game, number one. And I don't think he played the correct game with the government in this. The second thing is, all right, the judge's statement and decision is just nonsense. I mean, it's okay to charge foreigners because it benefits Thailand. So that's all right. That's not discrimination. Well, of course it's discrimination because it benefits the country. You can do whatever you like. Now, if he were to get a lawyer, a real lawyer, and go to court and present proper facts and made sure that this was done, you know, in a professional manner, I think he'd probably have a chance of actually winning the appeal. But if he's going to continue to represent himself, I just don't see how this can be won. Because the truth is, I don't think a Thai judge is going to side with a foreigner representing himself in court. And I just, you know, you're up against the government, the Ministry of Public Health, and we all know how things roll in this country. And I think that's one of the main reasons why he didn't win. But then again, this is the country where the administrative court said of the transport, the former transport minister who was convicted of drug trafficking to Australia and spent time in jail, that because the crime happened outside of Thailand, it doesn't count in Thailand. This seems to be the mentality of the judicial system here in this country. What happens outside of Thailand doesn't matter. It's only inside and benefits Thailand, that's okay. But what about all the high souls, all the very rich people in Thailand? Does that mean they should be charged more because it would benefit Thai society if they paid more in the hospital too? But we'll keep our eye on this story. I, I really doubt he's going to ever win this case representing himself, and that's my honest opinion. And next up, Thai to start flying to hijabri countries. Thai Airways International have announced that it will start selling tickets on select international flights to destinations with high vaccination rates from October 1. The airline will recommence flights to lucrative markets in Europe, such as Britain, France and Germany, as well as some cities in Japan and Australia. The decision to resume flights came after these countries reported high rates of vaccination at around 70% of their populations. China, another highly profitable destination, is expected to be back on Thai's scheduled passenger flight network next year, according to Chai M. Suri, acting executive vice president of Thai finance and accounting department. Mr. Chai said revenue from cargo flights has exceeded that of passenger flights, which ground to a halt due to the protracted COVID-19 pandemic that struck the country earlier last year. Do you know what would be really great if Thai Airways did? was refund all the money that they still have from people from two years ago. For all the cancelled flights after the pandemic, you know, there's many, many people still haven't even got a refund out of them. That's what they should do first, before they start thinking about flying anywhere else. And if you're one of those passengers, I'd love you to write your comments down below in the comments section and just let us know about your story and trying to get money back from Thai Airways. And our next story, low pay, high danger, Thai delivery riders suffer accidents at high rates. Two of three delivery riders keeping Bangkok and Thailand fed at home have been in accidents at least once, some many more, for which they get zero support from their employers. As the riders struggle for better pay and benefits, a survey of more than 1,100 of them found that they risked their health and safety while being saddled with heavy workloads, low wages and a few legal protections. 
It seems that the leaping growth of the food delivery business comes with many problems, Rocket Media Labs said in a statement. Riders in Thailand are not eligible to be regulated by labour protection laws as platform labour, such as a standard wage rate or other type of welfare. While the pandemic peaked this year, hundreds of riders for the food delivery applications have rallied to demand access to benefits afforded other workers and the rehearsal of pandemic-era pay cuts, among other reforms. The survey by Rocket Media Lab, which researches social issues and received a grant from the National Endowment for Democracy, was conducted from March through July and covered Bangkok as well as provinces such as Chiang Mai and Songkhla. The survey was conducted via face-to-face polling and online survey. Most riders said they worked few or many hours for low pay. Just over 30% said they worked more than 8 hours in a day, while roughly 23% worked only 3-5 to hours. Nearly 38% worked relatively normal days of 6 Six to eight hours. Nearly half said they brought home 11,000 baht to 15,000 baht, while just over one in four, 27.7%, earned 15 to 20,000 baht. Only a small handful of the riders, 4.5% or fewer than one in 20, earned over 30,000 baht per month. Average household income in Bangkok in 2019 was 39,409 Thai baht. The results point to an overdue reckoning for the global gig economy, in which workers have surrendered traditional protections in exchange for flexibility and benefits to corporate bottom lines. In Thailand, better compensation, basic employee rights and health insurance were among the riders' top demands. The survey found 26% won financial compensation for accidents, while 66% had gotten into one to four accidents. A surprising 28% they had said they'd even been in more scrapes, five to 16. To qualify for better worker rights, 16.2% said they want full employee status rather than working as independent contractors. Of lower demand was health insurance, 13.4% said it was a priority for them. Those with some form of health coverage mostly had access, 34% only to so-called gold card universal healthcare systems launched back in the era of deposed Prime Minister Taksin Shinaratra. The rest relied on social welfare insurance or paid out of pocket for private policies. And for the Phuket News Roundup, Phuket reported 197 new COVID-19 infections in the past 24 hours. Two of them were from the Sandbox program. Over the past seven days, Phuket has recorded a total of 1,431 COVID cases. We had 311 international arrivals through the Sandbox scheme, all tested negative for COVID on arrival. They arrived on three flights, one Guatar Airways and two Singapore Airlines. 548 travellers tested negative for COVID during their second and third test as well. Since the 1st of July, 38,289 travellers have availed of the Sandbox programme. And in other Phuket news... Phuket Checkpoint to reopen 24 hours. The Phuket Checkpoint, the only gateway onto the island by road, will reopen 24 hours a day starting October 1st, Phuket Vice Governor Ishet Panapong has confirmed. DSI steps in over Phuket protected forest land. The Department of Special Investigation has accepted complaints of encroachment into the Bang Kanun National Reserve Forest near Talang Technical College and will investigate the encroachment as a special case. And finally, Nigerian man, Thai woman arrested in Phuket for 11 million romance scams. A Nigerian man and a Thai woman have been arrested in Phuket for their involvement in online romance scams that saw their victims swindled out of at least 11 million Thai baht. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. 
But ultimately, my name is Kira Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.